if you look at the sustainability and also that resilience side of multifamily, it would be things like energy efficiency. So just designing these things in a way that keeps the interior space cool during the summer and warm during the winter. Installing things like solar panels, solar water heating can be very good ways. You will also want to look into appliances, how energy efficient those are. That can save you a lot of money down the road. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Well, today and tomorrow, we're going to discuss some things that we've not talked about too many times, if at all, on the show before, and some things that are happening in our industry that I want you to be aware of, right? Because I think that these things are going to affect us, whether you are active or passive, over the next few years, it's going to change the way we do business, potentially. And our guest today is Johannes Upperlin. And he's an experienced real estate technology investor with a nationwide portfolio in numerous asset classes. He's a general partner in numerous units as well. But also, he's an expert in 3D printing technology. And he's been a part of developing a 44-unit built-to-rent community in Houston, Texas, using 3D printing. So it's a very interesting technology. And I want to go watch some videos of this myself and learn some more about how this functions, because I do believe it's going to grow and and it's going to be something potentially that is going to change the way we develop and build. And he's going to dive into that in some detail, but he's also going to talk about climate change and what to expect, uh, you know, moving forward in that and different metros or different markets, right? And how we should be thinking through that and even where to find some information on that. And we're going to dive into 3D printing. And he's going to talk about what that looks like as an operator to some degree and just technology moving forward and how that's going to change our business. I think you're going to find the show very interesting. Johannes, welcome to the show. Honored to have you on and honored to be able to do maybe a couple of segments here with you and dive into a couple of your superpowers or your specialties, things that, that you are a master in. And, and so that's what we want to do, right? And, and provide as much value to the listeners as possible. And I know you're going to do that today. Give us a little about your real estate background and your focus right now, and we're going to jump in. Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. I got into real estate really through passive investing. I started passive investing around 2019. I was looking at the stock market valuations and having some difficulty understanding why people are paying so much money for so little income through these publicly traded equities. Started investing both as an active investor doing a small single family investing and syndications and did a lot better on the syndication side as a passive investor. Decided to expand that, been growing my portfolio over the past three years, investing into multifamily, self-storage, industrial, and increasingly hospitality. So that's how I got started with this. And about eight, nine months ago, I also decided to go active myself, started my real estate business, which is called Oasis Equities, doing some multifamily deals and hospitality acquisitions as well. Awesome. Well, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to me, though, also how many people know exactly what you just said about the stock market and even see that, but they're still so afraid to do something different. Yeah. I see it so often. Go ahead. Absolutely. I think there is something about these indications that until you actually get into them and understand them, People are wondering, is this a scam? Is it a Ponzi scheme? Are you going to lose all of your money? You look at those you know, long 
placement memoranda and have no idea what they mean. It's just a scary thought before you actually do it a few times and then you realize it's a perfectly normal thing. I mean, you invest in the stock market. There's there's plenty of documents that go <laughs> that go along with that as well, right? But typically, you just hit accept, 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 right? And unfortunately, you know, you don't you don't read those hardly ever either, right? Or who does? Unfortunately, that's but that's so true what you said. And it is you, know, you hear that word uh, syndication, right? And right then, people are are scared often, or it's just you know, mom and dad never told me about this thing, so it must not be real, right? Or it has to be a scam. But now I appreciate that and. So speak to, you know, maybe your first syndication. How did, how did you gain comfort in investing in your first syndication passively? Yeah, so I when I made my first investment, I wasn't really not very educated about real estate back then. I stumbled on it online. I just found a syndication on Google and did a little bit of study. And what I found very attractive about it was that I was actually able to understand what I was investing in and how it worked. They had these rent projections, they had expenses, they discussed the financing. And that is very different from buying an index fund where you're buying everything, right? So I thought, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Did a little bit of research on the company behind the syndication. They seemed legit. So I decided I'll try it. I invested $50,000. That was a bit before the COVID-19 pandemic started. So initially, it was scary. I thought, what have I done with my, my money? But then, as you know, uh, things turned around pretty quickly. And I've actually done really well with that investment, even though it had office, hotels, and multifamily in it. Good for you. Good for you taking that that scary leap, right? <laughs> exactly. But not so scary because you did some research and did some homework and and learned to understand what you're investing in, right? So, all right. So, tell us a little bit more now about the specific type of real estate now, or maybe some specific things that you're focused on. You know, in, even in your own operations now, as you've now started to, be, you know, you've become an active operator yourself. Absolutely. So on the passive side, I'm very diversified. I've got multifamily, self-storage, industrial, hotels. But on the active side, I've recently focused mostly on hospitality. So I have a few short-term rentals that I've got running in West Virginia. And I have hotels under contract in West Virginia and Arkansas. And the reason why I got into this asset class on the active side was that when I made my investments on the multifamily side, cash flow was a challenge. It's hard to find cash flowing multifamily assets. Maybe it'll get a bit better now that the prices might be cooling off a little bit. But at least last year, I just couldn't find anything that was cash flowing very well. On the short-term rental side, the scale is the problem because you're still stuck in this single-family home investing trap where each one of those assets is a real headache. So I was thinking maybe hotels would kind of solve those two problems at the same time. So that's how I got into hospitality. Interesting. Okay, so tell me about the, the markets you selected as well, West Virginia, Arkansas. How did you pick those? Yeah, so I did not have an, kind of an initial idea that, okay, I'm definitely going to do West Virginia. In fact, that was probably quite far from my mind when I initially started. It's not a state that's known for, you know, it's real estate, booming real estate business. But I was talking to different brokers. I was just reviewing some listings on Blueprint and all that. And I found good assets. So what's great about both West Virginia and Arkansas is that real estate is still pretty cheap there, unlike some other states. And you still have some good markets for 
tourism for vacations, kind of destination markets, national parks, and so on. So I went in, did some research, made offers, and was able to get a few of these things uh, up and running. Wow. And speak to the type of asset class that you went into, like hotels, some hospitality. I guess, why focus on that? Why not just wait on a multifamily deal? What, you know, and maybe speak a little deeper into you know, that specific asset class and, and why you said, you know what, I'm going to move forward in that. Yeah. So the thing that I found attractive about hospitality is that unlike multifamily, hospitality has been a buyer's market now for a few years because people really got scared after what happened with some hotels in COVID-19. So multifamily, as you know, has been kind of red hot now for, for a few years. And so as a result, the prices have gone up a lot. The cap rates have compressed. That hasn't happened in hospitality. Quite the opposite in many ways. The cap rates have actually gone up and there's a lot of inventory available. So the way I think of it is that multifamily, you have to underwrite a lot of properties and to get one that makes sense. When you do get it, then after that, it's fairly straightforward. You do renovations, you find a property manager and all that. With hotels, it's the opposite. It's fairly easy to find good things to buy, but then you have to work very hard after you actually buy the thing to get things going, find operators, uh, do all the design, the branding, and all that. But for me, the cash flow of hotels is just very attractive, and that's why I'm really going to continue working uh, with that as a class. Awesome. Okay, no, that's great. I just always wonder why some choose some asset classes over the others and, and how you move forward or how you think think through that. I know some of the listeners are, are wondering that as well, even as some of them are contemplating different asset classes. Well, I know something that you think through and we briefly discussed like the sustainability piece of in multifamily and different asset classes. Speak to that a little bit. Like, What is the importance of sustainability? What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually has played an important role in in going active. So one thing I I should mention, first of all, is that my very kind of initial active effort was an accident. So I had made an investment, a venture capital investment, in a company that 3D prints housing. So they use 3D printers to produce rental units, duplexes specifically. Made a small investment as a venture capitalist, a very early stage company, and went to Houston to meet the CEO. And the CEO asked me to consult for them, to help them with developing the business because I had this sustainability background and it's a big part of their selling point. So what sustainability really means is this idea that we are facing all these environmental problems right now, most notably our changing climate. So we have these extreme weather events, we have sea level rise, uh, we have droughts, we have extreme heat. And that's something that is starting to have an impact on real estate. So if you look at, for example, the property insurance rates in coastal Texas or Florida today, it is very expensive compared to what it used to be. And that's because of these natural disasters. And so we need to find ways to make our buildings more resilient, more robust, these changes. On the other side, we also have opportunities to reduce our expenses. So increasingly, solar power, for example, is cheaper than it used to be. It's very eco-friendly, but it's also quite affordable these days. So many people are using that to reduce their electricity bill. 
which again can be a big deal if you are, let's say, in the south and you have very high air conditioning bills, you can really reduce your expenses with this. And that's something that I do as part of my day job. I'm a professor at Johns Hopkins University teaching kind of energy issues there. So I've tried to brought some of that expertise into my real estate investing as well. Interesting. 3D printing. I know we're going to get into that a little bit because it's, it's not something I'm very familiar with. However, I do have a friend that has a small one at home and it's pretty cool some of the stuff he can make with this thing. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about how this is going to affect you know multifamily or, or just real estate you know, right in general as we dive into that. So as we're just kind of skimming the surface of sustainability right now, how do residents think about you know sustainability? What, what how is this going to affect them? And then you know maybe we'll dive into this a little further. But what do the residents think, or, or you know any studies or anything on that yet? Yeah, so it really depends on where you are in the country. So there are some parts of the country where this is becoming fairly mainstream, and people are concerned about their energy impact and all that. But those are often not the places where most multifamily investors are. So look at the states where sustainability is a big deal, California. But California is a difficult place to invest because of the extremely high costs and all the kind of tenant-friendly laws and, and all that. It's much less of, I would say, something that's on tenant minds in Texas or Florida today. But I think it's this is also changing. You see a big difference between younger people and older people, for example. So millennials and Gen Z and all that are more aware of these issues than, let's say, the baby boomers. Hmm. Speak to what a sustainable, what a sustainability multifamily development looks like. I guess talk through that a little bit, and I think that'll help us as we move forward. Absolutely. And the first thing I would say about that is that multifamily is itself inherently sustainable, right? Because you are kind of packing a lot of density in those buildings. So if you compare how much land, how many resources, how much commuting do you need if you have a thousand people living in multifamily units as opposed to single family homes in a suburban kind of subdivision, it's a big difference, right? So that is the is the first thing. But today, I would also say, if you look at the sustainability and also that resilience side of multifamily, it would be things like energy efficiency. So just designing these things in a way that keeps the interior space cool during the summer and warm during the winter. Installing things like solar panels, solar water heating can be very good ways. You will also want to look into appliances, how energy efficient those are. That can save you a lot of money down the road. So that's it's a combination of just multifamily being inherently sustainable because of the density, but also then using the appropriate technologies that you use for multifamily. Interesting. Any other ways that maybe we, you know, during a development, I know we're going to get into some 3D printing stuff, but maybe you could give us a little tidbit here. What is 3D printing, you know, what's the role that it's going to play in this as well? Yeah, so 3D printing is really, from a sustainability perspective, reduces the environmental impact of actually building those homes. So think of traditional construction. It takes many months and it means a lot of crews coming in and out, lots of material coming in and out. It takes months and months and all that results in transportation emissions. It results in all kinds of other process emissions. The materials often have to come from very far. But if you look at 3D printing, you bring in this big tent on the site 
You bring in the 3D printer, which is a huge machine, not like your friend's little 3D printer. It's a huge <laughs> 3D printer. It costs a million dollars, just the printer itself. And then within a week, you have the structure of the house ready. You have three people, you have the printer, and then in a week, you have the house ready. The materials are often completely local. So our first development with family communities is in the Houston area. And everything we need to build the homes themselves is within one hour's drive to our site. Wow. In one week, the home is complete. What's it made out of? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what this looks like. I'm trying to visualize this in my, in my mind. Absolutely. So let me walk you through the whole kind of sequence of events. So first, of course, you need to do site work. And 3D printing doesn't help with that, right? You have to have all the infrastructure and everything ready. That's done old school, just very traditional techniques. The key thing where we save months of time and tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars is the structure, right? So you're kind of like layering concrete. These are concrete or cement homes, at least with our technology. And you're just layering them one layer at a time. But what is really cool about that is that you are layering it in a way that makes everything else very easy. So, for example, you have all the spaces ready for electric, for plumbing, and everything there. So, once you have the structure, all you need to do is go and add electricity, plumbing, all that, add the appliances, the finishes, and that's it. Today, I would say they still look a bit different from traditional construction, but not so much anymore. You have these homes, actually. For example, in Austin, there is a 3D printed community that sold at market price, and people have been very happy with it. So it's actually pouring concrete, is that right? Correct. Okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, because my my friend's 3D printer, I mean, it just looks like plastic. So I was just trying to figure that <laughs> figure that out. So why don't we jump into what is 3D printing, and let's talk about that a little bit because we're talking about it. I, I want the listener. I know the listeners are thinking through this, and maybe they've had, they have a friend that's you know done the same thing or making things with it, and they're trying to figure this out. What is 3D printing? And let's dive in. Yeah, absolutely. The way you can think of 3D printing is it's really just a technology that takes the basic idea of printing. You have this machine that spits out paper in kind of traditional, I wouldn't call it 2D printing, but you know, just traditional printer. But then instead of just having that for paper or graphics or something like that, you can have that for almost anything. You can print things, if you design the printer the right way, you can print almost anything. Now You can print different machines, you can print out different materials, you can print out homes now. And what it does is, because it kind of streamlines the process, you can do things a lot faster and a lot lower cost than with traditional construction. Traditional construction, as you know very well, as a multi-family entrepreneur, is a very complicated process. You get different people with different expertise. Everything needs to be coordinated. Everything is very expensive, lots of time and everything. With 3D printing, a big chunk of that is done with this one machine producing a certain design. It's, of course, not nearly as customizable as traditional stick build, where if you have a lot of money, you can do almost anything. But if you're looking for kind of high-quality, durable housing for middle-class families, 3D printing is a very promising technology for that. Wow. So will the walls, the entire structure be concrete? Is that what, yes. you know, what it will be? Okay. I mean, you, you can then, if you want, you can add a roof that's metal or shingles or whatever. You will add the, the flooring and all those finishes. But yes, the basic structure is concrete. Okay. Well, speak to you know how 3D printing is going to change you know the American housing market or make it more profitable or less, or how do you see that working out? 
First of all, we need to remember that this country has a huge housing shortage, right? So the real reason why multifamily is such a great investment is, is not just because the interest rates went down for a little while or because millennials like to rent or anything like that. The real reason is that we need something like four to five million new housing units. And those are not coming because of the cost. They are just so expensive to build today. And what 3D printing does is it allows us to build faster and at a lower cost. So the way 3D printing is going to change American real estate and housing is just going to make it a lot more affordable than it used to be. So if you think of building a house today in, let's say, Texas, where we work in Houston area, can cost $200,000, $250,000, maybe even more. If you do that for $150,000, that would be a complete game changer for many families that are not making, you know, $300,000 a year. Okay. Speak to who's going to own this 3D printer. I was thinking about the developer that's going to go in and, you know, make the houses more affordable and more profitable, maybe a multifamily, whatever that, that's going to look like. But who owns that machine? Is that the developer or are they going to hire somebody to come in and do this? Or are they going to own it themselves? What does that look like? Or as you see this, you know, growing, you know, over the next many years, probably. There's a few different ways to do this. So the way we would do it at Family Communities is we would buy the printer and then we would have a licensing agreement with the technology provider, a company called Mudbots that kind of allows us to use it in certain ways and all that. So it's a combination of ownership and licensing. The contractor or a developer that works with us would then actually be an equity partner in our company. So they would be partly compensated with cash, like you typically do with a general contractor, but they would also be compensated with equity, which means that we need to raise less capital to get this going, but they get this long-term income stream from doing this. And this, by the way, is a very common trick in Silicon Valley, right? So if you are investing in a tech company, there's often no money moving exit from the investor to the operator. And then the operator gives you equity. And over time, you start making money instead of kind of real estate, where we typically we give make an equity investment and expect distributions in like six to 12 months. Wow. Okay. Now, that's interesting. I just wondered what that's going to look like. As we're doing a few developments as well, potentially more in the future, but mostly partnering with a developer that's already established in a market, right? But this is interesting, you know, as we think through, hey, potentially... This could be a game changer, right? If you can build units that much faster, and you know, and, I, and I'm sure this the you know 3D printing capabilities are only going to grow so quickly, right? It may, and what do you see that looking like? I mean, the capabilities that you have now to do with 3D printing and building a house or an apartment building, you know, a year from now or five years from now, how do you see that changing? So I think we are right now at the time kind of at the cusp of this becoming a commercially viable thing. Just three, five years ago, it was still laboratories and demonstrations and pilots. But now we have proof of concept. We have this in Austin. There's 3D printing housing in New York State, in Virginia, where I think both of us actually live. So this is a real thing now. It's still obviously not yet where it needs to be to produce 5 million units or anything like that. But so I, I think it's going to just get better over time. We are at the kind of, think of, okay, so, so here's one way to think about it. Think of when the first mobile phones came on the mass market, right? Maybe we are there now. It's working, it's good, but it's nowhere near where an iPhone is, is today. So I think we are going to do much better in the next 5 or 10 years 
technologies keep evolving and we can do more things, not just this one type, but everything from a very large single family house, maybe the multifamily, maybe we can start printing like apartment complexes soon. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, that's exciting to think through that. I, I want to look it up on YouTube, maybe watch some videos of this this machine working and see what that looks like exactly so I have a little better understanding. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.